What if every experience, every hardship, every obstacle was given to you, not to break you, but to mold you and strengthen you? What if the center of your suffering was actually the key to ultimate health? And what if your own pain was meant to be the catalyst for your greatest purpose? Welcome to Buddha Belly Life, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome. Welcome to the Buddha Belly Life Podcast. It's Coach Britt, and I am here for the first of four sessions this month, all on pain, um, pain freedom. And we are joined um, in these four sessions by premier pain coach and psychotherapist, Dawn Caddy, founder of Alleviate Pain. Um, Her story is pretty incredible. A lot of you guys are going to, um, for you coaches, I think you as well as your clients are going to have a lot of relatability to this. And I hope that it inspires you. All four of these sessions are going to touch on some awesome things, but I want to, I want to just welcome you, Dawn, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Brittany. Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so great having you. So tell, tell us where exactly you are. So you guys are going to notice that Dawn has pretty much the funnest accent ever. Um, I, I get to interview a lot of people with accents, but this, this has got to be one of my top faves. So where are you, Dawn? So I live in Australia, but I'm from the north of England. So it's halfway between London and Scotland to just give you some context of where I'm from. <laughs> yeah, because we're gonna you're gonna pick that Scottish up in, yeah, in her accent too, which is I think that's my favorite. It's so brave. If you've never seen Brave, the movie, my kids watch it. It's very <laughs> so, so Dawn. Tell us a little bit about your story with chronic pain. I, so Dawn works with, with individuals with chronic pain in a very unique way that she's going to share later. But first, I want, I want her to share a little bit with you guys about her story um, herself and how she kind of got here. Yeah, so looking back and speaking to my family, I'd actually suffered from chronic pain from about one years of age. So a very, very long time in and out of hospital as a child, a lot of issues with my ears, my nose, my throat, gut issues, kidney issues in and out of hospital for pretty much a good 10 years on and off. So probably spent maybe about a year of my life in hospital all up and then just progressively got worse. The issues were becoming more and more complex, more complicated, more life-threatening. So by the age of 22, I was in hospital, disabled, almost died from a bowel disease, which created a lot of IBS. I had IBS. And then when I was 35, 35 years of age, I fell pregnant with my little boy and uh, an underlying kidney issue came to fruition and kidney pain is horrendous. So if anybody's suffered from Mm -hmm. kidney stones or kidney pain, it's the most horrific pain. And I started to get electric shocks in my heart. Like I felt like I was having a heart attack. So when I was 11 months pregnant, I was diagnosed with a kidney disease that I'd apparently had since I was a child that had gone undiagnosed. So I'd been having all these kidney issues as a child with experiencing horrendous pain. And it, they would just kept saying, oh, it's UTIs, you know, kidney infections, bladder infections. And then when I was five and a half months pregnant is really when chronic pain got a grip and a hold of me. I slipped when I was pregnant. So I was five and a half months pregnant and I slipped. And it wasn't the fall that damaged me. It was me trying to save myself from falling. So I turned to catch the sink 
And in that, my leg went straight up. I was a very flexible person. And when you're pregnant, you become more flexible. And mm-hmm. yeah. damaged my pelvis. I damaged my, I tore my um, pubic bone in half. I tore ligaments, tendons, damaged a nerve. And all this wouldn't come out until years later. Because obviously when you're pregnant, you can only have ultrasounds. You can't have any other scans. So the, the ultrasound just picked up that I had a torn tendon and ligament. But it came that I'd be on a journey of chronic pain, severe chronic pain, where I'd be left disabled twice. So from the actual fall, and then I had my son, and they advised me, they said, oh, your pain will improve, you'll get better. And I never did. I started to decline and get worse. So when I was five and a half months pregnant, I um, slipped. And to save myself from falling, you know, it was my first baby and I was frightened to death and I was very protective. So to save myself from falling on the floor, I grabbed the kitchen sink, but I turned. And as I turned, my leg was up in the air and I split my pubic bone. I tore a tendon, ligaments, um, damaged my pelvis, all sorts of injuries. But these wouldn't come to light until about, I think, maybe two and a half years after the injury. So it took a long time to even get a diagnosis of what was going on. So after I had my boy, I was told that everything would be okay. I'd start to heal and repair, and I wasn't. I was starting to get worse and declining. So with a newborn baby in chronic pain, it felt like 24-7. I was getting about half an hour to an hour and a half sleep. I couldn't couldn't leave the house because I couldn't push the pram. I couldn't drive because they'd put me on too many painkillers. So I was a housebound for like 18 months. And then I became addicted to painkillers because the opioids were my escapism. And mm-hmm. I realized one day that the painkillers weren't actually having an impact on my pain. It was more a psychological escape because I really was so, so depressed and in such a state of I hated my life to the point that I didn't mm-hmm. be in it. And the only way that I saw escape was to take these drugs and be completely out of it. So I'd just mm-hmm. zombified, laid on the couch. And this was with, and this went on until Alfie was about 16 months old. So I had help come and help me because obviously I, I could hardly move. And when I started to go into the painkiller draw, I started questioning myself. And this is where my path and my journey of healing started was through questioning. So this is going back to where Brittany's saying that it's different how I teach people how to get out of pain. It's actually through the questions. It's taking back power. It's understanding that you are more powerful than the pain and the pain can only consume you if you allow it to. So in that opioid addiction and that haze, I managed to ask myself a question, are these painkillers helping me? And that, that question is what has got me here today. I just keep asking questions. If I hadn't have had that awareness and that understanding, I reckon I probably would be dead. In fact, I know that I would be dead because I got to the point that I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to end my life. I didn't want to live anymore. I thought I was the worst mother alive because I could barely look after my son. I thought I was the worst wife because for the first six months of this disability, my husband would have to wash me, take me to the toilet. I mean, I was a 30-year-old mm. woman. I felt like I'd completely given all of my power, all of 
my whole identity of who I was. I was a successful corporate and I was doing well in the corporate world at that point. And suddenly I was this disabled mom who was depressed and anxious, had PTSD, going from the strong, powerful, career-minded, driven woman to this absolute, in my mind, an absolute mess, a wreck, a shell of who I was. I didn't know how to laugh anymore. I had had no personality is the only way I can describe this. I had absolutely no personality. I had no will to live. Even with a newborn, it was almost like I didn't even want anything to do with my son. I did what I needed to do. And that tore me apart part, and it killed me inside. And it got to a point one day where I was having a really, really bad day. And Alfie was 16 months old. And this is where the questioning started to happen. He jumped on my back and the pain ripped through me. And I just screamed. And I remember the words leaving my mouth. And I remember knowing that I meant them. And that's what tipped me over the edge to want to end my life because I realized that not only was I not a good mom, I was horrendous mom. And I reminded myself of my own mother in that moment. And I said, I wish you'd never been born to my son in his face. And thankfully he didn't understand that because he wasn't old enough to comprehend what I was saying. But when I realized what I'd said to him and that I actually meant it in that moment, that just took me on a spiral of having a nervous breakdown. And that's when I started to really ask questions of myself. And that's where I went into the bedroom and I curled up in the fetal position for a few hours. I can't remember how long. And I started to say to myself, how am I going to end it? How am I going to end my life? I don't want my son to find me. And I don't want my husband to be here because if he is, he'll stop me. But how can I do this? And I started to plot how I was going to end my life. And in that spiral going down, something came to me and it said, it's not true. And I was like, what's not true? He said, everything that you're saying is not true. And I started to hold on to that and pull myself back up the spiral. And I started to listen to everything that it was saying. And I let go of all of the heaviness, all of the hatred, all of the contempt that I have for myself. And I just started to let that go. And I just started to listen to this voice. And for the first time in, I think about two weeks, I got up out of bed I walked and I looked my husband in the eyes. I'd not looked at him in the eyes. I'd not even really spoken. And I said, I'm back. This is not getting the better of me. Mm. And that was a journey. Wow. And there is how I started to learn how to walk again, heal myself and using all different tools and techniques. But you must get your mind on board first. It's imperative. The rest will not work unless your mind's on board. Do you have a desire for fulfillment? Does helping people tap into their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically fire you up? Do you believe in the impact of the gut microbiome on overall wellness? You may be an HWCA coach. For more info on our cutting-edge health coach trainings, visit hwcacoach.com. I want you to be able to talk about what you ended up doing with all this. But I want to touch for a minute on some of the things you talked about. First of all, Thank you for sharing that. Like that's, that, that is deep stuff. And that's something yeah. that I think we learn to cultivate to, to be able to share our painful moments for the purpose that they've had now where we stand on the other end of the path, right? Of the tunnel. Um, yeah. So that's really incredible. And um, 
that's also really uh, notable for you to be so honest. We all have moments, as, especially as moms and parents in general, that we just cringe, right? And we've all had moments okay. of not being our best. And anybody that's dealt with um, severe postpartum, that's that's a very normal. For anybody that doesn't know that, that's a very that disassociation from your child. Um, that's a very common experience it's not the person it's the state of their mind there's there's a lot of components in that of of why they're feeling that way in an excessive depression um and the inability you know like mental health is my passion obviously and so especially um you know with uh when, if we are talking about suicide and things of that nature, um, it's so complex. And that gave us, that, that gives us such a, a, a perspective, Don, of the reality of your own hell. What is it that gets people to this point? Okay. Because it's like, if we can't understand that, then we are holding unreal expectations. We are not, uh, doing what we need to do before or during, when we can intervene, um, when we can see the signs, when we can understand the process of things. And so that, that's, that's very, very powerful information um, of that, you know, to share that with us. But I think that what you said is that awareness, I think it comes down to awareness and that's something, the ability to just stop and instead of succumbing to the emotional state we're in, get the data, get the insight from the emotional state we are in. I feel like that's like the the underlining factoid of all personal growth is to go, what is this I'm feeling? You know, especially if it's a monster of a feeling or an emotion or a thought and going, where is this coming from? Like, what is the root of this? Because that is the, that is the, um, the path or the, the, the rope essentially to our healing. Because usually it's it's coming from a place of pain, and that is the rope to our healing is being able to see and call out those things and those states of mind and those states of emotion and body. Um, so, um, what a powerful beginning story. Um, so, tell me a little bit about what you did with your own body and in your own state to help yourself. So, at that point, you had you know your turning point. What? And, and, and also too, uh, another point to touch on, I love that you touched on your identity piece because that is so important. I like, I think we should all stop and think about that. What if tomorrow we were dropped to our knees with our health or our physical condition mm-hmm. and we were not our jobs and our identity was not in yeah. our career, our social media, our followings, our attention, our, our significant others, mm-hmm. our, you know, our family or people like, what does our what is our soul's purpose if nothing else was there tomorrow or if or when we have moments in life that are absolutely rock bottom for us mm-hmm. who are we meant to truly become still believing we have purpose and that those things let them fall away so we can discover who we are so that that is really cool so you made that decision you stood up and then what did that process look like for you um, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't pretty. Sometimes it was, I was dipping in and out. Never is. <laughs> Never is. It's not, a, it's not a straight trajectory of going up. It's, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's going down. Healing's never linear. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. If anybody tells you that it was smooth sailing and it's fast and it's rapid, Mm-mm. they're not telling the truth. The truth mm-hmm. of it is, you no. are given what you can handle. 
And in that moment, I was tested beyond measure to the point that I needed to change something. The person that I was was not the person I wanted to be. Therefore, that part of me had to die. And that's how I look at this. And when you're in it, it's almost impossible to be able to think from that state. You can only think what's ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So the first thing for me... So what was the first step you did? Yeah, the first... To- sorry. <laughs> yeah, the first thing that I... Oh, no. The first thing that I did was it was that realization of these painkillers are not serving the purpose that I've been told that they're serving. It was that realization that had me go, you know what? I am just doing this to escape from my life. And when I sat with that, as painful as it was, and as as much as I didn't want to admit to myself that I was an addict. I I admitted to myself in that moment, I was addicted to not being present in my life. I didn't attach it to the drugs. I attached it to the real core reason. So addiction is not the thing that they use. That's just some people use alcohol, some people use sex, some people use drugs. It's different for everybody. I didn't identify with that. That's the difference between identifying that you're an addict and saying, I'm an alcoholic, that's surface level. It's underneath that, what drives you to be addicted. And I realized that in that moment, I was addicted to not feeling my life, feeling my body and being present. I wanted to do everything not to be present because it was too painful and I was too disgusted in who I'd become. Mm -hmm. That's why I became an addict nothing to do with the drugs. Yes, the drugs didn't help and yes, they are addictive, but I didn't have an addictive personality, Brittany. So it was strange for me to be addicted to something. I never really ever become addicted to smoking, drink, none of that. Yes, I did drink. Yes, I did smoke at periods of my time, but I could always stop it. I always had control over my mind. But at this moment, I realized that I had no control whatsoever. So sitting in that realization and seeing the truth of why I was doing it, I then just looked up and I went, I'm done. God, can you just please send me something that is not going to make this situation worse within 10 minutes? No word of a lie, Brittany. King, my phone goes off and I looked at my emails and there it was, natural pain relief. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I didn't sign up for this. Opened up the email, emotional freedom technique, learn how to tap, become a practitioner. And I'm like, Huh. Bought the course. The course was there for about two weeks. I didn't do anything with it. And I just kept getting reminded, remember the course, remember the course. And then I went and listened to the course and started doing this funny, weird technique of tapping your face and just saying things. And I was like, I wonder if it'll work. Every time I want to go to the draw and go get a painkiller, still at this point, yes, I had the awareness, but I was still taking the drugs. Because I didn't know what the next step was. I didn't know what to do. I didn't yeah. know who to reach out to. I, my doctor was just giving me more and more painkillers. Oh, sending me to a psychologist. Yeah. Just this perpetual cycle of getting nowhere. Giving me acute treatment for clearly a chronic issue that had been going on for nearly two years at this point. So I used tapping. And I thought, what can I do with this? And I thought, you know what? When I go to the draw and I want the painkiller, I'm going to use tapping. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm just going to do it because I've got no choice. So I went this particular day. I remember clearly I opened up the drawer, stopped myself 
And I started tapping on my face and going, all I want to do is I want to take these tablets. I want to escape my life. I hate my goddamn life. Then lots of swear words came out. Lots and lots. It just this mm-hmm. vomit of anger and hatred and resentment for the situation that I was in. I was like, ooh, what the, what's this? I had no emotional intelligence at that point. I didn't understand about emotions. I only understood being happy or being sad. That was it. it. That was kind of my range of emotions. And that is, which we'll get into later, which is from a traumatic childhood. And I was like, oh my God, I'm really angry. Like I, 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 I can feel the anger. And I closed the drawer and I walked away and I just kept doing that. Every time I went to the drawer, I just allowed myself to vent. And that became my therapy. So every time I opened up the drawer, I was like, do I want the drugs to escape or do I want the drugs because I need something for the pain? And I started to realize that Mm. it was only about 30% of the time that I was going for the actual pain. I'd become, so to speak, tolerant of the pain. I'd kind of learned to live with it. But I couldn't live with the fact that I hated who I was and I hated my life and I hated who I'd become. Because at the end of the day, I was dead inside. I'd lost everything. My personality had no access to my personality. I was just this shell. So it it was almost the realisation of the drugs. That was the first step. The second step was realising that I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know what I've become. And the third step was the EFT and the tapping and starting to vocalise what was actually going on instead of holding it inside, which I'd been holding everything in for so long inside me and not wanting anybody to think that I was weak and pathetic and stupid and I didn't have my stuff together. I was so frightened of that that I bottled everything up inside that, and that accentuated the pain and the suffering. So it was that realisation mm-hmm. that getting all of this out and allowing these emotions to fully express themselves, I started to see that my pain started to dissipate and I didn't mm-hmm. need the drugs anymore. And within about, I think it was about four to six weeks, I'd come off 13 heavy meds a day. And my doctor's like, that's dangerous. I went, listen, my body is doing this. It's going through the process itself. I'm trusting that my body knows. Trusting that my body knows when to come off. And I'd ask my body every day. I started communicating with my body. That was the next step, was the communication. We started to talk to my body, do is it okay not to have these drugs today? Do you need these drugs today? And it's tell me, have half. I opened up this communication loop and I'm like, oh my God, my body is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's talking to me. It's telling me. So it's that it's building and nurturing that communication loop with your body that helps you heal yourself because we've been indoctrinated to believe that our bodies are mechanical and that they're separate. Mm. And that we should give the power away to doctors and surgeons and X, Y, and Z, whoever mm-hmm. professional, they're in control over my body. They're the ones that know best for me. No, you know better than anybody. You know better than anyone. And it's trusting that communication and trusting that your body will never, ever, ever lie to you. It will never lie to you. It will always tell you the truth. Your mind is what lies to you, to protect you. And that's what I started to realize. I started to go, hang on a minute. I think I'm three parts here. And that was the next progression was realizing I was three parts. I was a body. I was a mind. And then there was this something else, which was me who was witnessing these two things going on. And it was that witnessing 
that had asked about the drugs. It was that witnessing that started to have this communication loop with my body. It was that witnessing that started to realize that my mind was severely impacting me and telling me that I was worthless, I was pathetic, I was disgusting, I was the worst human being alive. It wasn't me. It was something else inside of me that was saying that. And it was that deep realization that I was able to start to separate. And then I became the observer. And that's when I started to heal because I wasn't the pain. I wasn't the words. I was something else. Therefore, I'm more powerful. If I'm something else, I can choose to be more powerful than the words I'm saying to myself. And I can choose to be more powerful than the pain that I'm experiencing. That there was a turning point. That's when I started to learn how to walk again. That's when I um, was able to get off all of the drugs. That's when the depression, the anxiety and PTSD, I could face it because I built that power inside of me. I built the foundation. Everything had been ripped. There was nothing left and I rebuilt from that point. Thank you for joining us for another empowering episode of Buddha Belly Life. For more information on gut health and mindset resources, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. And remember, heal yourself and then empower others to do the same. <laughs>